At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own photography business? If yes, then check out our new course, How to Start a Photography Business. It's led by pro-American photographer Crystal Kenny. She offers a breakdown on everything you need to succeed and make great money running your own photography business. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Malaysian photographer and editing expert Najiha Najla. Najiha is an Adobe certified expert, and she's also an incredibly talented educator, videographer, photographer, and much more. We dive into all of these topics in this episode, so make sure to stay tuned until the end, because I'm sure that you'll learn a lot of amazing things. Enjoy. Hi, Najiha. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, uh, hi, Taya. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Najiha Najla. You guys can call me Naj or Najiha. Um, so I'm a Adobe, um, Adobe certified professionals and also a certified expert. At the same time, I'm also a freelancer. I do photography. I do videography. I do graphic editing. Um, and I also a trainer. So where I teach people on how to use Adobe programs most of the time. So you guys can check uh, things that I do, content that I did, and also online courses that I have, my webinars, my workshop on my website. Really nice introduction. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to dive into because you are multi-talented. As you said, you know so much, so many things about videography and photography. So I am sure that we will have a lot of interesting things to discuss. And I really look forward to finding out more about you and your work. So let's start with the technical side of things. Uh, what camera equipment do you use? I have few cameras with me, but my main camera would be Fujifilm X-T4 that I use a lot for my work. But uh, for my leisure, example, if I go out with my friends, I all I also bring a small one, like a, a pocketable, pocketable camera, which is Fujifilm X-70. I do have a Sony 6500 
as my second cam and Canon 60 uh, when I shoot like a product photography for macro or for like a detailed shots because I do have 100mm uh, with a Canon and I think that's one of the best lens for macro and also micro and yeah I mean and I have like few gimbals uh, like Weeble S for my videography work um, I do have set up like few set of lightings um, for my camera stuff for my um, photography stuff but for my main gears, that is like my go-to one would be my Fuji X-T4. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about that camera in particular. A lot of people seem to be using it now. And yeah, it just seems great. Very advanced professional camera. I would love to use it one day. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love about Fuji X-T4 is because it's a kind of like a hybrid. When I was like about to get the X-T4 before this, I was in between should I get X-T4 or should I get X-T3. But X-T4, it wins more in the video features because you can, um, it has more like color dip and also for it has, it has like optical stabilization in the camera body as well. So um, because I'm like, I do both, I do photography, I do videography. So I feel like why not just like grab something that can like work professionally for in both areas. So, so that I don't have to bring so many cameras, you know, when I was like doing a shoot and stuff. So uh, I, that's the reason why I choose X3 for, and I, I've been like living the, the camera ever since. I think I got it in, 2020 if i'm not mistaken no 2020 yeah 2020 is almost two years um late 2020 and i i and one thing about fuji is because you can adjust the film recipe i think if you guys are fuji into ts you know we always like um in love and also like crazy about film simulations the reason why people actually get a fuji because of the simulations itself so i kind of like tweak here and there the simulations to get to be like and to produce with my own recipe that I use a lot for my work. So when I should like using Fuji XT4, and when I showed it to my clients, they all be like, it's like I don't have to edit the footage anymore because it's already like nice and 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 dreamy and subtle. The color is like not that too contrasty, and some of my friends that been using uh, X4 as well, they will be like, hey, how, how did you come up with that settings? Because originally by default, they don't have that color. So you have to create and make it to, to fit and also to blend and also to, I think it's more like representing your personality. So in my editing, I have my own signature, the way I do things and also my color. So I keep it in that sense when I was using XT4. I've never heard of that. So it has film simulation directly in the camera. Yes, where well, you can pick. They have classic chrome, they have Philip, like a classic negative, they have um, uh, Provia, they have, they have a lot. You guys should check it out. So interesting. And you create your own recipes directly in the camera or do you use a different program for that? You can, you can like simply tweak the sharpness, the colors, the clarity, um, the, the highlights, the shadows in it. So literally you can, like if you mix and match the film recipe with some of the settings, like some of the basic settings, like uh, the dynamic range and whatnot, you can actually come up with your own color. So it's kind of like different. So it's very hard for people to have exactly the same color or like a standard color if they tweak here and there the settings in the X-T4, in the Fuji cameras, um, unless if they just like stick to use B, to use the like normal and default film simulations. But for me, I think some of the simulations is like slightly stronger for my uh, cup of tea. Like um, I do like to have a little, little bit of like a soft, dreamy, subtle color in my works, not too contrasty, not too dark, not too, um, 
I think, yeah, not to contrast, yeah, I would say, yeah. That's absolutely fascinating. That's incredible. It basically means that you don't need to do much editing in an editing program later on unless you want to. The color correction is all there. Yeah, exactly. So you just have to play with some of our like exposure, the skills, a bit of the highlights in raw example. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I think I do not have to spend so much time working on it in post-production when I already try to perfect the outcome during my shoot. Oh, that's amazing. And it's a great solution for anybody who struggles a lot in editing programs. For me, for example, personally, when I have to pick different Lightroom presets for my images, I end up overthinking a lot and I don't yeah. have decisions to make. I'm sure you can relate to this and a lot of people as well. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, it's it's a struggle. It's not really a big problem, but it's a, it is can, it can be a time waster. And so it's perfect that it's all there in your camera. You don't even need to overthink, just tweak a few things. Well, I'm obsessed with this camera now. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. And, and talking about a preset, just now you talk about the Lightroom preset. I do have my own set of Lightroom preset that I uh, produce for my, um, uh, on my own. The funny, like a backstory about this preset, I have my like few collections that I created, but initially it was actually not meant for sale uh, because the backstory was a few years back, like, I think, yeah, during the pandemic season, during the pandemic time, people don't really go out much. Um, but then before that, I mean, my friend, I was hanging out with my friend and I like to take photos whenever I go just for fun, not even to post. It's like for my, to keep some memories with my friends. And when I took the photos, right, and then I, I showed them, hey, these like the photos, da, 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 and they were like, hey, how did you edit those photos? It looks so nice. And I can, I have like a group of friends, not just one friend. So when I have to like show them, I have to tell them one by one, like how to edit the photos. Example, if I go out with, a today, I have to show A on how to edit the photos. And maybe next week I go out with a B and another friend and and I have to show again like on how to edit the photos. So it's kind of exhausting at some point because I have to keep on repeating like, like showing and also sharing the same thing. Uh, I do love sharing stuff, but if it's like the same, same thing and it's very easy and I think people can, can just simply use it without having a professional skill or knowledge on how to edit the photos. I think it's so much convenient for other people to know on how to edit their photos because people love to take photos, but I think they kind of like um, stumble upon these difficulties in editing and I feel like then they, then, uh, they stop like posting the photos because they, they don't think that the photos turns out good. So because that problem that my friends face and I have to keep on helping them um, to edit the photos, that's how I came up with the preset. It was actually meant for them. I literally like just create the preset, like a set of it, like six or seven preset in one collection. And I put it in zip file and I send it over to my friends. And I said, hey guys, this is the preset color that I use a lot when I shoot photos using my phone. It's easy. You don't have to use any professional camera. Just take the preset. This is the tutorial. I give a PDF file in it. You just have to go through the step one by one and then learn on how to, but I even like shoot myself a video explaining on how to do it, like screen recording the whole process and whatnot. And then I just give it to my friends and my friends like, hey, this is so much easier for them to use and to edit the photos. And I was like, it's really benefit people in some way. So that's when uh, the next week, like after that, I, I started to put it online and be like, hey, if you guys having a problem in editing your photos, you guys can try to check this out, this preset that I made, and maybe it could help you in, in, in edit your photos. So it was actually starting from just helping my friends 
and then now I do have like uh, like almost I think more than almost like ten collections. I have like eighty five piece set. Um, in one master collections I released on my website, you guys can check it out. Uh, I bundle it everything in one thing, uh, in one bundle, and I also release a special edition for wedding as well because I'm also a wedding photographer and. When I edit photos, sometimes I do have few shooters, you know, so um, different shooters, they use different cameras. So when they use different cameras, you will get to experience and also learn about the camera science behind those cameras. Some of my shooters using Fuji, some of them using Sony, some of them using Canon. Uh, so when I get those footages and get those pictures to edit in Lightroom, I was like a like so intrigued into it because I get to play around with the color science that they set in their camera. And then when I came out, like go into the Lightroom and I could actually tweak here and there the adjustment and came out with another set of presets just for that camera, just for that wedding session. So meaning it's like, it's almost like an endless process where you don't have that one size fits all kind of preset anymore. You can actually come out with different kind of preset in like four different kind of situations and and I feel like it's, it's exciting to keep on producing those things because you know how it's able to benefit other people who has less skill and and knowledge in creating those things for me it's more like helping those people to speed up their workflow and also help them in in, in making their photos beautiful that's all first of all you're a very good friend <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much you didn't just send them the presets. You made a video tutorial. You sent them a PDF. That's uh, very thorough. <laughs> yeah, because one thing about me, I have this like a uh, like as a, as a, as a trainer, I would say as an instructor, I do train my brain to uh, break down the information so that even a five year old kid could understand what I'm trying to say. So that's why when you teach people, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, or regardless of their background. You have to tell them, speak to them in sense of like they don't know anything about it. So you have to break down the information slowly one by one and also in the most layman words so that they could understand in their own language. Because sometimes when we speak in the technical language, it's very hard for them to gosh the idea and also the term because of the lingo. So I have to come up with a with a, like a like a very subtle way to to explain and to say and and talking to friends that actually know you. Um, Closely, it's something that actually helping me to learn on how to speak uh, to other people as well that I don't know, like, you know, publicly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Being an educator in photography is so different to just taking photographs or just making videos. You have to, as you said, use simple terms. You have to look at photography from a completely different perspective, and it can really help you learn more about yourself as a person. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, yeah, that's what I love the most about this industry, photography, videography, and creative industry. I've been in this industry for, I think, eight years. This is my eight years, I think. I started in 2015, but officially, I first started, like, like um, using the camera when I was in 2012. I was first year in my university. I took like software engineering background. I came from software engineering background, actually. I do not learn any uh, creative multimedia thing in my university because um, I was in engineering university. So we learn IT coding, engineering stuff. So this thing about photography stuff is actually coming out of my, my passions, like something that I love since I was a kid. I do not love photography since I was a kid. I kind of like love artistic stuff since I was a kid. 
uh, I kind of like share the backstory of how I get myself into creative um, in Adobe Max last year. You guys should check it out. Um, in that Adobe Max, I kind of like uh, speak about how, who inspired me the most to start my journey in creative, which is my grandpa, my late grandpa. Um, I miss him so much. I mean, we lost him recently. It was like uh, four months ago, I think. Um, so he was the one that inspired me to start my creative journey. And also my brother also played a big influence in my creative journey, I would say. Um, and my, my father as well. So I think um, they all like really good in, in drawings and also in coloring. So when I was a kid, I color a lot. So I love how the mixture of colors and also how to edit stuff, like how to create something. So I, I started like as an editor first before I learned on how to shoot. And photography was the last one that I touched actually. I started as an editor and then I learned videography because as an editor, I have to edit some videos and slideshows for the school, for the, for like, for the club and stuff now uh, in, in, in university and all. So um, because I love to edit so much and sometimes when you edit, you have your own visual, you have your own imaginations, you have your own ways of telling stories. And, and when you get the shot, when you look into the footages and the clips, you will be like, this is not how I imagine the outcome. And there's something lack, something missing, a piece missing. And you'd be like, I wish they took this shot. I wish they put some close up for these details. I wish uh, there's an established shot for this one. I wish this photo is like slightly wider and whatnot. So there's always a lot of like, I wish moments when I was doing the editing. So I got frustrated. And one thing about being an editor, when you like editing stuff, you're always going to be in a momentum. You're always going to be in a flow state where you are editing. So sometimes I spend three to four hours straight sitting on my desk, just doing the edit without any distractions. That would be my precious moment, my moment that I, I cherish a lot. So go back to that because I, as an editor, I got frustrated a lot because having that missing pieces. So then I learned on how to shoot. So that's how I, I grabbed my own camera and then learned on how to shoot videos. And then from videos, um, as a videographer, it's like a normal people are gonna say like, hey, can you take photos as well? Can you take photos as well? Can you do photos? Like just a piece, like a few photos. And I was like, okay, I get that requirement a lot, inquiries a lot. So that's when I also learned on how to take photos. So photography came later after I learned um, videography. Yeah, that's the backstory. That's very interesting. You went through many different interests and now you have all of them in this business of yours and they're all coming in handy and you don't need to abandon any of them and you find them all useful. And I think that's a, a big dream for many photographers. So I'm curious to know more about your the business side of things, because you said that you have shooters, you work as a videographer, as a photographer, as an educator. And mm -hmm. in your bio, you said that you started out quite young and mm -hmm. can be quite difficult and intimidating to start out young, especially if you don't have any life experience. Um, so if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, especially if it's related to business, what would you tell her? Um, this question is actually... I think about it recently because there's few things. I was actually having a rough time last week figuring out myself. But and then I, I stumbled into one question, which is like almost these questions. And one thing that I want to tell my younger self 
I have no regrets. That's one thing. I don't. I don't like to dwell on past. I think whatever that happened in my past is the the thing that shaped me right now. And I and I love myself right now. And and I believe in myself. And I have nothing to complain about my life. I would say uh, I'm happy. Uh, but one thing that if I could tell my younger self would be, if I want to do anything, do it for me. Do it for yourself. I think because um, when I was young. I remember most of the time when I have to do things, um, I do it for other people, like for my mom, for my my dad, for my parents, to make people happy, for my friends, to it's for my friends, like small, like so that they they want to be friends with me. <laughs> I know it sounds like uh you know, but um I I do have like a few friends, a lot of friends. Um, I'm not lonely, I would say, but I'm slightly quiet. I'm, I'm like an introvert side. I'm quiet. Um, I like to do my own things, focus on my own things, be in my own world, like living in my own bubble. Uh, but I do have friends. I'm friendly. Um, but um, I'm a quiet friend. So sometimes there are times when you just feel like you are not included in certain situations or certain group and you'll be like, um, you have to step up your game or you have to stand out and you have to do something to make people notice you. That's one. And second, so that people would love or would like to be friend with you. So most of the times when I was a kid, I, I do that a lot to get attention, but not in a bad way. Not like, not like I have to do stupid stuff to get attention or so like, you know, rebel and whatnot. It's more like I have to do something out of the norm so that people would notice me as a person like oh but then one thing that I'm so glad because I chose to be creative instead of doing something else like if people notice me people notice me for how talented how creative I am instead of how stupid I was um, so I just want to say to myself that do do it for you not to make other people happy not to to improve not to prove yourself not to like you know like like to just make people notice you in that sense, like just to get a gosh attention, but more to do it for yourself because you really want to do it because this is your passion, because this is something that shape you and also something that deep and close to your heart. Because the reason why I say this, because when in the future, example, when you're like adult right now, I am like 28, I do have a lot of thinking and, and, um, and I keep on questioning myself what I want, what I want, what I want. Because it's like one thing when you at some point of your life, you don't have anyone else to to prove, like to show and, and to whatnot, then you will lose a sense of self. You will lose like the connection that makes you move forward. So then I realized it's actually because my, my mom's so happy with me. I have a lot of friends who are proud of me. And I think it's like I have no other checkpoints or no other people to 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 like to prove anymore it's almost like that then I forget myself you have to do it for yourself like prove something for yourself prove that you can do this and this and that not for other people anymore so that's the thing that I would like to tell my younger self since from the beginning like do it for you do it for you and do it for you that's great advice. And that's the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic motivation, right? If it's internal motivation, then you will be driven by it naturally and you will be happy to do the things that you really want to do. But if you want validation from other people, even if you have good intentions, as you said, at some point you might run out of validation and you might yeah. lose yourself. And True. that's definitely very difficult. 
And I'm sure that a lot of the people who are listening now, they also have uh, their own intrinsic motivation and that motivation is photography. So it's really good to know um, that that's what matters most, right? If you really love photography, if you really love videography, whatever it is that you love for yourself, that is what you need to pursue. And don't worry too much about pleasing other people because that's just a bonus. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think um, some people, like, they have these difficulties where they don't know what defines them. And that people is what me is one of them. Like, at one point, um, some, and then I realized that you don't have to let your life to define for you. It's like, at some point, it's not like a black and white version. There's always going to be a gray area. There's always going to be a, a plenty of spaces where you could play uh, in your life. And, I mean... It's not about like whether you're rich, successful, or like a failure. It's it's about like how you do your life, how you live your life. And it's I think it's okay if you don't know what you want right now at this moment, uh, because I believe it's also going to change and you also able to change that thing over time. Yes. If you have this fixed life, then it's boring. If you feel like you are sticking so many labels to yourself, then it becomes a bit stressful. I think for some people it might work and all the power to them. But for me, yeah, I definitely don't like labels for myself. And yeah, you're, we're always changing uh, as creative people, just as people, we are changing and we're learning from the things around us. So it's beautiful that we have these opportunities every single day to change who we are, to change our beliefs and to improve, hopefully. Yeah, uh, I also like true whatever you're saying is which is true um and it's like there's an excitement in the unknown you know like sometimes i always like people like have this five or ten years um plan or something but sometimes i don't like to hold so tight on that and i will like you know like in fact it's actually like a totally awesome to just like follow your curiosity and and let the life unfold itself before you rather than having some specific set of things that you have to reach. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's nice to have a few plans from time to time, but it's also good to remain flexible, whether that's in life or in photography. If you open yourself up to different possibilities, then you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, true. You are, in addition to being a very talented videographer and photographer, as you mentioned earlier, you're also a trainer. You're an Adobe certified expert. What does this title mean and how did you gain it? Uh, Adobe certified expert or SCE, um, it means that um, I have a certifications and proficiency in using Adobe software. Um, as you all know, if you guys are a photographer, maybe you guys use a lot of Lightrooms, I would say. And Adobe has more than 20 applications and programs. Uh, and I would say I'm proficient in most of them, like Photoshop, Lightroom, InDesign, Illustrator, um, Premiere Pro, After Effects, and a bit of Dimension for 3D stuff. Um, because uh, I use those applications a lot in my daily work. I do work for clients. I do work for my own projects. I do work for um, some of other commissions and stuff. So these are the applications that I use a lot daily. And one thing about um, like becoming the Adobe Certified Expert is one of the the way to 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 become one is you have to get to go through a couple of trainings and sit for the exams, like get the paper and make sure you pass the exam because you also have the passing rate and failure rate. So if you fail, you have to reseat um, and do the, the exam again. And so um, the exam is a crucial part. So once you pass the exam, 
Adobe will like um, notify you and also will send you the physical and digital uh, certifications in two to three weeks. You will receive it and also uh, you will get a digital badge in Cradley website. So they will like up the badges and say that you have these um, certifications. So these badges, you can flex it and also you can put it on your portfolios, on your Behance, on your LinkedIn, on your website because it's like a like a valid and legit uh, certifications by Adobe itself. So I got um, the certifications like a few years back. And from that certification, it's actually because I, I joined this one competition called Adobe Certified Associate Design uh, World Competitions. That was the first time they had that competition in Malaysia. So uh, I won that competition as a second runner-up, like second place. And um, from that competitions, um, in order for you to like participate and become the top 10, you have to sit, uh, to get to sit for the training and to get the certification. So that's when I first get my Adobe Certified Associate certifications and then I move into Adobe Certified Professionals and I got my Adobe Certified Expert. So there's like a few stages for you to get the certifications and then Later on, you will get like Adobe Certified Instructor if you guys are an instructor. So technically, you can choose your your career path in Adobe system. Like you want to become just an expert as a creator or you want to become an instructor. Myself, I got the chance opportunity to become a trainer because I was offered by Adobe Authorized Training Center in Malaysia um, like a few years back to become a trainer. So I sit for the trainings as a trainer. I got my certification uh, like training for adult trainer um, under Malaysian government. So then I start doing training. I My first training was 2017. So I've been doing trainings ever since. Um, yeah, I think that, that's how I become a Adobe Certified Expert. And a lot of people ask these questions, especially in Malaysian itself. They'd be like, how to get certifications? Um, actually, certifications in Adobe, it's it's um it's easy to get, I would say. But of course, every single applications like Photoshop, Illustrator, Lightroom, we don't have Lightroom certified uh, certification yet. We only have Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, After Effects, and Adobe Animate. A Premiere Pro, also one more. So um, in order for you to get all of these certifications, you have to go through every each of that um, exam. So different software, different exam. So, um, and if you're able to collect all of these certifications and you become like a, like a Adobe Certified Specialist, which is an, another title. So uh, the benefit of having the certifications, I would say it really like helps me to stand out in terms of like in my CV and whatnot. And also it's gonna validate your skill. Whenever like you receive any resume or CV or portfolio, people will say like, "Hey, I proficient in this and that in 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 Lightroom, in Photoshop, in da da da." But and then they, you rate yourself like out of one hundred, you put like your proficiency like ninety eight percent out of one hundred. So those things, those graphic, those visuals that you have on your CV or your on your resume, it doesn't really like speak or it doesn't really like prove how efficient you are in the skill itself so you have to have another proof like your portfolios that's one of the things that actually speak your talent second one would be the certification so getting the certifications from the right body that certify and validate and recognize your skill is essential and crucial like if you really good in microsoft things then you will should get a certificate from Microsoft. So if you are really good in, in designing, in, in, in photography and whatnot, you should get certifications from 
the uh, organizations that actually validate and also recognize those skills. That's great. It's a very interesting story. And uh, I like that you explained everything in depth. Thank you for sharing that. I've never heard of the this program, these certificates, and it's amazing that they exist because, as you said, they can really boost a photographer or designer or videographer's reputation. It's uh, very useful to have, especially if you are looking to build a career out of something like this. And just to clarify, you have this certificate in Malaysia, so you needed to take the exams in Malaysia, or was it just virtual? Oh, it's actually it's virtual. So oh. the post, yeah, uh, the training um, you can take the training uh, online. Uh, also, Malaysia. I think other places, other countries also have this training center because they have a lot of Adobe training center around the world. So we have one in Malaysia. I actually uh, one of the uh, training provider that provide these certifications. So as a trainer, I have my own company where I do trainings for corporate and also private sectors and also private individuals. So if, if any of you guys will be interested to learn, to get the certifications, you guys can also do it online uh, with me, regardless of where you are. So you guys can take the training online. You also can do the exam online and you can also receive the badge online and they will send a physical copy to your address, regardless of where you are. Really cool. I love that it's accessible to anyone. So yeah, if anyone's listening, this is a great option for boosting your reputation. I mean, getting a certificate from Adobe itself, that's really prestigious. Yeah, that's, that's right. And and by the time of like we are doing this podcast, actually, today is the day where Adobe kicking off the Adobe Max. Do you know what is Adobe Max? Have you heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. What is it? Adobe Max is one of the biggest creative conference. Like whenever, like, you know, Apple, they have like, their own conference every year where they release a new features, new a new iPhones and new iPad and whatnot. Adobe also have that conference, the biggest conference every single year. It's like an annual thing where they they will like introduce a new uh, application, maybe uh, uh, new features, new updates, and what's the new technology that they implement into the program. So it's like a it's like a three days conference where they gather along the creatives around the world. So this year they have it uh, physically in LA and virtually free for people if you guys want to attend. So if you want to, I don't know like when this is going to be released, but I do believe like example, if if you guys still want to catch on what's going on in Adobe Max, you guys can still go to the Adobe Max, uh, max.adobe.com to watch the, the replay uh, of this session that's happening this week. Okay, I'll include a link to that in the description. Cool, thank you. Great. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. 
Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Adobe is doing so many things for its users and it's giving them opportunities to become educators and creators. And yeah, it's overall, I think it's an amazing thing. Uh, but for you personally, as a creator, what do you enjoy most about being a photographer, videographer, or just somebody who is always creating interesting things? What is your favorite thing about that? I love this question so much um, because it's like, it's almost similar like when people ask you like, why do you like ice cream? Uh, so one thing that I love about being a creator is because I think the fact that your creation is yours and it's only going to be yours. You know what I mean? Because you as a creator, you create those things. I know like most of the time you guys are working on the client's project. It belongs to the clients, but you guys also have to remind in your mind that it's actually yours because you are the creator of that project. You are the creator of, of that piece. You, you produce it. So whenever I, I, example, get exhausted or get too overwhelmed, or, or like almost burn out doing clients project, that's the thing that I keep telling myself that, hey, it's okay. I know you are exhausted. I know you are tired working, editing like thousands of images in one go, like for events and whatnot. But bear in mind that this is your creation. This is your piece. So it's only yours and also and always going to be yours. So I have to sometimes like soft talk to myself that way um, because that's what makes me feel better in terms of like, I feel like I have control in what I'm doing because as a creator, as the one who like edit the photos example or doing the videos, I have control on how it's going to be. I have control on how to shape it. I have the control on how to tell the stories using it. So it's, it's on me. So it depends on me. So it's almost like without me, it will not be produced. So I think it feels like I have, I, 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 I hold that space where I'm responsible for those things and it makes me feel like I, I hold accountability for that piece and also at one point, I, like I said, I feel like it's mine, it's, it's belong to me. So that's the thing that I love most, the most about being a creator, I would say. It's a very powerful attitude to have and it's very healthy too because as you said, if you're working for clients, you might feel like you're losing a part of yourself by giving them your creativity but it's always going to be yours that's the truth of it even if they post it on their website wherever they post it even if you don't get credit for it for some reason it's always still going to be yours that's going to be universal truth yeah that's the thing because nobody could deny it because you know the truth and that truth belongs to you and you hold the truth so when you hold something and you be, you you have something so you have a power over it regardless of whatever whatever like the world are telling you but you know the truth so i like the idea of being inferior in that sense where people keep on saying like like, like you said, I know because I get really frustrated and disappointed a lot when I love the project that I made. And, and maybe like your contributions in that project is, is almost a whole thing, but you don't get to post it as yours. You don't get to post it. You don't get to make it your stuff because you're doing it for clients because that's their story to tell. So at one point you get frustrated and it will actually like, like eating you up, you know, because you don't get that satisfaction for telling the world that it is yours. But you have to talk back to yourself to tell that at some point, the truth is you are the one who could create that. And you also play a big role in creating that and also your contributions in making that thing. So I think that's very important um, to talk to yourself in that sense because it really helps me to 
avoid getting burnt out or avoid getting frustrated or avoid getting you know disappointed or like like you know one thing about creative i think creativity like play um stay close with emotions and mood so you have to always control and and understand your emotions and mood because it will affect your creativity as well which is something that you will need and use a lot daily that's very true. I can relate to this. I'm sure the listeners can relate to this as well. If you're feeling a certain way and it's a very strong emotion, that can help you in some ways in your creativity. But if you're discouraged and if you feel like you're not going anywhere, then you won't be that motivated to take photos, to make videos, whatever it is, the creativity would be gone. So we definitely need to prioritize our mental health and our health in general. We need to take good care of ourselves and uh, just make sure that we're always feeling good and make sure that we are our own best cheerleaders. Yeah, I love that. Our own best cheerleader because you have no one else to cheer for you, honestly. Like, 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 honestly, if you think about it, who's like actually think about you? No one. I do have three cats at home, which is my kids. Yeah, I think they are the only, the only one that actually thinking of like thinking about me because they'd be like, moms, I need food. Mom, I want to cuddle with you. Mom, um, like I love to sleep next to you and those things. So like, honestly, like who else like thinking about you at some point? So you have to cheer for yourself. You have to support yourself. You have to talk to yourself nicely. You have to control what you are thinking, what you have in mind. Uh, and I, I do that a lot every day. Um, I, I talk to myself a lot just to make myself feel better and also to also to how to say like how, like to fix and also to understand uh, the momentum, the energy that I have in myself. Amazing. This is like a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very important to be positive, even especially if you're going through a hard time, uh, because then you learn something new and you get some great ideas from it, hopefully for your work. And if not, then at least you can rely on yourself and you can boost your own confidence. That's super important. And you're very confident as a trainer, as an educator, as part of your one-on-one mentoring sessions, which you offer on your website, you also offer a portfolio critique. And I'm curious to know, in your opinion, what makes a strong portfolio? Strong portfolios. Besides having a strong visual piece, because portfolios is something that you show like visually or your videos can be videos and all still images or graphics. So I think it's also important to, to also disclose where it is published and also displayed. Like, you know, oh, it is displayed um, in this gallery. It is displayed for this event. It is displayed um, like for this big conference, all of those things. I think it's very important also to, I would say, focus and also target where you want to publish your work and to get your work displayed. Because you have to put it in the place where you get a lot of attentions and people are going to see it as one thing. Social media is actually, is actually for me a place just for you to talk and also communicate with people, with your friends, and also to get your potential clients or prospects. But I think in, in the sense of, of having your portfolio in order or something that you're proud of, I think you have to publish it or display it somewhere that has a very strong background like in, in organizations or any, any, anything that have a strong image uh, or established image. Um, I think that's play a big role as well where you want to publish and display it. Um, and also the origin of the story of how and why you create those things, why it is produced, 
it is actually inspired from this or or what like there must be a reasons why something is created there must be a reasons that um spark the idea or inspire the creatives you know to produce something so i think if you able to include that in your visuals in your portfolios tell people story because people love to listen to stories the only reason i think you guys are listening to the podcast or having this conversations because you guys want to learn like like listen to stories and exchange perspectives i would say so tell stories in your visual tell stories in your work don't just have it as as it's not about showing your skills this is something that i learned when i was producing creating the poster for the competition that i mentioned about just now the adobe certified uh, associate uh, design competition when i first joined in 2016 so uh, during okay here's a back story about this one because i believe this also related to this question um back then i was the only uh, students coming from engineering background. I have no uh, media experience or multimedia experience or creative background. I don't even learn, I don't even have any Adobe software in our lab and whatnot. And the other participants that, that compete with me, they are all coming from uh, creative and also multimedia universities. They have architecture background, they have um, designing background, multimedia background. So I was the only one that's coming from engineering school. So, um, but then I know that I cannot beat the skill. I cannot beat their skill because if I compare myself to them, obviously they have, they have uh, like more skills than me because they learn those skills like during their university years. So they are really equipped and also proficient in using those skills in using the software. While me, I I only have small skill, small amount of skill, only like uh, certain things that I know. Back then, I already started with my video, uh, videography and also photography uh, passion. So when I was trying to design the poster, I was actually implement and also include a photography wise, not just instead of just like illustrations. Most of the participants, they illustrate and also design the poster, like putting shapes, colors, um, design some, you know, uh, character and whatnot. But in my case, I have no um, skills in doing so. So I just utilize whatever I have, which is I have a photography knowledge. I know on how to take photos and now I know on how to use a bit of Photoshop to to adjust the layer, to to cut out of uh, the background and whatnot, change the color of this and that. I only have like a really limited amount of skills in using the software. So I just utilize whatever I have. But one thing I know, I cannot beat the skills uh, that they have, but I can beat in terms of like the storytelling because I have my own way of story of, of telling stories. They have their own way of, of designing uh, the poster. So that moment, uh, I just, when I was like doing the poster, it was actually a poster of a kid um, that, that uh, and then he was actually sitting on a, on a jetty I would say, and then he, he didn't go to school. He was like wearing a really like a like a piece of clothes and short pants, something like that. And then the poster that we have to create that was uh, about poverty. We have to spread awareness about poverty that we have in Sabah in, in one, of, one of the Malaysian country, uh, one of the Malaysian state. So we have to like uh, spread awareness that to overcome this poverty, we, we want people to donate to these organizations to help those kids. So I cannot like really like design poster in terms of like illustrations and whatnot. So I took that picture 
and then I illustrate. I only have like one knowledge in, in one skill that I know back then when using the illustrator was using the pencil. So I only I learned that pencil thing overnight and I draw like a, like an illustration of a bag on top of that kid. And then I colored the clothes. It looks like it seems like he's going to school and he just got back from school. So that was the illustration and interpretations that I tried to apply, but I mixed media from like a, a photography and a still image together with the illustration, only like a, a shape of the back. Uh, so back then, what I'm trying to say is, back to these questions, I don't have the capacity to showcase my skill because I don't have that much of skill back then, but I only can compete in terms of like storytelling. So it's also important for you to have your own way uh, of, of telling stories in your work. Like why are you producing it and, and what is it for? And also when you like producing something, you have to also bear in mind who's going to watch it. But like who is it for? Is it for these people? Is it for like this group? Is it like for, for this group? So you have to be very mindful about that because you cannot capture everybody's intention, but you have to, you can capture that certain group that you want them to, to, to see your work. It's, it's not one thing about connection, like, like getting attention. It, it like, it's not about getting everybody's attention. It's all about getting the right people attention that could see and, and watch your work. I think that's very important. Definitely. And again, that's a very powerful story. It proves that storytelling is just as important as having the right skills. And if you just have two of them separately, then they won't work well. But if you merge them together, then you will be able to create very interesting photographs that draw people in. But yes, it's definitely also very important to have an idea of the kind of people that you want to attract to your work, especially if you're making a business out of photography. But even if you aren't, even if you just want to share your work with people as a hobbyist, it's also good to have an idea of um, the kind of people you want to, to see visiting your website. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think because most of my work that spread more or get more attention are the ones that most impactful ones, something that touch people's heart and also something that speak without a voice. Yeah, and it's very uplifting to hear this story because it shows that we all have our own unique ways of telling stories. We all have our own unique experiences. And so doesn't matter if we don't have all the skills that we need. We can always learn those skills. But inside of us, each and every single one of us, as photographers, as people, we all have stories to tell. And so it's about improving those skills and the stories, they're already inside of us. Yeah. And, and I love listening to people's stories, honestly, because we all have different ways of looking at, at perspective, like, you know, life perspective. And you're coming from different background. I'm coming from different background. And it's always like a learning process to, to listen and, and share those things. Um, I like, I, I'm more to like a listener compared to like, telling things I would say because I just love to listen and when I listen to people's stories I always like like you know like like wonder how why I always have those questions and and really um intrigued by the idea of how like how you went through those things how you deal with it how you like you know like like overcome those stuff mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really nice to connect with people. It's, you know, something I'm super grateful for is this podcast. It allows the listeners to listen to different stories. It allows me to learn a lot from the guests and hopefully allows the guests to learn something about themselves while they talk about their own stories. 
Yeah, definitely. I would say I'm, I'm learning myself a lot right now from through this podcast. <laughs> I'm already learning a lot about you. So thank you. It's uh, very entertaining, very interesting and very eye opening. So I'm really appreciating this uh, interview. Uh, all right. So I have a few more questions for you. You offer many online courses and mentoring sessions on your website. Uh, what advice would you give to photographers who also want to create their own online courses? Um, I think making, producing an online course is not easy. It's a long process uh, you, because it's, you have to put in hundreds of hours to just structuring the syllabus, getting the content in and also uh, producing it out. Uh, you might get tired, of course. You will get exhausted in the middle, in the midst of that chaos. But one thing that I want to say is don't give up. You can have a break. You can take a break, but don't give up. I, I, that's the thing I almost, I always tell myself that it's okay. Take a break. Lay, like, uh, stop, like, away from your workspace. Go play with your cats. Like, go out to the park and, and watch something or, like, call a friend, something like that. But don't give up. Take a break. So, because whatever, like, one thing about creating, example, in creating anything, creating online courses is one thing, because you have to also make sure that people not just going to see your work, but also they want to learn something from you. So, getting people to learn something from you is, like, almost like you are um, as if, like, you are holding this responsibility uh, to let people understand something, like, like comprehend something. So, um, like I said, take a break, have the greed have the greed, you know, and then keep pivoting. And and if you are one of the listeners, like in the midst of doing online courses, I am I am in the midst of doing my online courses because I'm like about to produce a new one. So it has been like few months actually. Uh, and also it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of like um, energy to produce it. So if you guys like creating, producing this online course, um, take time producing it. But also set the deadline. I know taking time is like, okay, take time, being flexible with it. But working, in, in my case, working in the deadline, uh, working with deadlines actually helped me to structure my work more so that I can prioritize what I should do first. And then, um, you know, and then like, if I need help, like if this work I can delegate, I can just like delegate. If this work has to be um, like done by me, myself, then I have to do it first and whatnot. So Structure, structure, structure the content and also the process. And also don't forget to enjoy and, and trust the process. Yeah, because the more work you put into it, the better the results will be. People will notice your hard work. It's very difficult not to notice that somebody put a lot of love and effort into the product. And so when people start to notice it, you will feel very proud of yourself and you'll know that all that hard work was worth it. Yeah. And one thing that I learned also in um, the process of doing the online course, talk to your audience. Don't just like build the online course on your own. What I mean is building online courses like can take up like to three to six months sometimes, even a year. It depends on what courses that you guys are creating. But talk to your audience, like get their feedback because see, you are producing the content, the, audience, the, the online courses for them because you want to know what they want to listen. You want to know what they want to uh, learn you also want to want to know like how they want to learn it like if it's because I always like alter the syllabus a lot because based on the feedback that I get and receive from my audience so like I will like go to my social media go to my Instagram to go into my Twitter and be like asking questions hey what do you guys think about this topic what do you guys think about this one you guys having difficulties understanding this one do you guys like feel like it's easier for me to break it down into this and this so talk to your audience when you are building it don't build it on your own like alone because 
again, you are not building it for you. You are building the causes for them. That's right. Yeah, you're completely right. It's very good advice. If you interact with your audience, then you'll be able to build something that really fits what they need. And maybe that will mean that you'll have more clients. Yeah, because I think people love to be included a lot. That's what I learned personally. So if you include people in the process of your achievement, and one day when you achieve something and you succeed, people will like be more appreciative and will be more happier to see that because they feel like they are as if like they are celebrating those achievements with you. So when you, whenever you launch the courses, make people included, like people that help you along the way, like invite them to the launch, um, to the launch session or whatnot, give them discount or give them the tryout or whatnot, like have a set of, of giveaway or like a strategy on how you want to thanks those people that help you out during the process. And also, I mean, like doing those things is actually also going to attract more people to see that how your personality and also how you conduct the business. Yeah, that's great advice. It's very interesting. Uh, it's not just about creating the course. It's about uh, building a community of your own and making sure that everybody feels appreciated and included. And yeah, for sure, that's definitely something that a lot of people love, feeling included, feeling like their opinions matter, and uh, just connecting with someone who knows what they're doing, what they're teaching. Yeah, 100%. agree with you. <laughs> you've been through many... You've just been through a lot. As a person, as you mentioned, you were a part of a contest and compared to the other contestants, you had less skills in them, but you were still able to create a very interesting poster for that competition. And you have had to go through many changes from going to from becoming a software engineer to becoming a photographer and so on. What is the most challenging obstacle you've had to overcome as a creator and how did you overcome it? Um, as a creator, I have difficulties in, um, in keeping the momentum because I think in creating, you need to be in that state of flow of that creation, as I mentioned. Like, like I said before, sometimes I spend three to four hours sitting on my desk creating those things and I will not move until I finish it. It's not because of I'm disciplined, but it's because I was in that flow state where everything is 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 cooking up, you know, like the creative juice is flowing. So I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the window. I don't want to miss the chances to create the greatest work ever that I ever, ever created, example. So I think the challenges uh, obstacle, the challenging obstacle that I always face a lot is uh, like keeping the momentum. But of course, you have to know yourself better so that you have to know how to get those momentum back. Uh, in my case, um, to get back my momentum when I lose it, uh, I like to push, like, you know, like, like to use emotions to generate the momentum. As someone who is private and also like talk a lot and stay with their cats, <laughs> with her cats a lot, uh, I talk a lot to myself and also I, I, how do I say, I really prioritize my emotions. I try to understand the emotions and also what I feel, uh, the cause of these feelings and, and how to communicate these emotions. Because I believe like um, the functions of emotions actually, like it, it work closely with your moods. So in order for you to create something, you need to have a mood. Some people be like, hey, uh, I don't have a mood to edit photos today. So can I do it tomorrow? Those things. Sometimes you cannot say that to your clients because it's not professional. You cannot say that, oh, I'm not going to deliver or edit any photos today because I'm not in the mood. Uh, then I will, I will send it to you by tomorrow or next week. That's not how you, how you work. One thing about working for clients or for other people, you need to have 
a discipline and also you need to walk the talk. You cannot just simply work uh, function uh, based on how you feel and also your mood. So as a creator, you have to find a way that triggers those mood. You have to find that formula. You have to tweak, get the system in, build your own system that's suitable for you, that allows you to work efficiently, to be more productive. So in my case, it, it worked closely with my moods and also with my emotions. So because I do believe like the emotions um, is a function of the, like will functions the moods well and also represent the momentum in the state of mind. So if you have a good mood, it's also going to trigger the momentum for you to do something else. Because sometimes, even though I, I have lack of energy, maybe lack of sleep, um, I don't do a lot of exercise and whatnot. I don't really go out. I was like staying in my, in my house for most of the time. Um, but if I do have the mood in creating, I still able to push myself to create. So emotions also contains like a tremendous amount of energy. So if you're able to control that energy, you're also able to control the emotions and that emotions able to allow you to function because it's going to boost your mood. And then once you have, once your mood's like boosted, then you're able to create the momentum in your mind to start working. So yeah, I mean, the challenges for me is always about the momentum. When I lose it, I find a way, I find the system on how to keep the momentum going and how to trigger it when, when I lose the momentum. That's all. That's an interesting routine. And of course, everybody has their own formula for finding that mood. And yeah, it's definitely important to be sensitive to it and to be conscious of your emotions, not to neglect your needs as a person. And if that foundation is solid for you, if you take good care of yourself and you are in the mood for the work that you're doing, even if it's difficult, then it will be easy for you to uh, go through anything, basically, and to come up with interesting ideas for your clients. And the people around you will feel it as well, right? Our moods are very important. Yeah, because the mood is like, people always say it's like a vibe. Like, how? Like what's your vibe today? What's your mood today? Oh, it's like only 120%. Oh, it's like 80%. I always talk like this with my friend and be like, if I saw her and I'd be like, hey, what's your mood today? And she'd be like, oh, it's 75, 75.0, 75.6%. And I'd be like, okay, then, and then, and I, I, and I am in 120%. So I always like, like we always try to support one another in that sense. Uh, like how about you? Like how you actually, you know, like get into your momentum and then find your mood? For me, honestly, if I can, I do take a break. But as you said, when you're working with companies, you can't just say, hey, I'm just going to take a break for a day or a week. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to professional work, I usually give myself a little bit of rest. So I'll rest for even 10 minutes. And I'll go in my head to a nice place or a nice memory mentally. And that usually helps. And music also helps a lot. Just playing some very happy music can immediately change my mood. And laughter. I think laughter for me is number one. If I laugh, I'm, I can fix any kind of mood. <laughs> so I'll call a friend who's really funny. And I think even investing a little bit of time in that. And being conscious of the fact that you're doing that for yourself, that can boost your mood as well. To be like, oh, I'm, I'm actually being really kind to myself. That makes me happy. 
Yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, laughter, like, yeah, I remember, like, it's actually, like, a few days back, I was actually in the midst of creating a video, editing a video, and I was like, I'm not in the mood, because, like, a long video, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not in the mood. I just finished, like, editing 2,455 photos. So, like, give me a break. Like, we catch a breath. But I know, because I have a deadline, so I have to submit the videos, I was like, oh, my God. So, I was literally, like, juggling and also struggling to find my mood. I was, like, on my workspace, and then... I literally like call up a friend and be like, dude, get into the Discord and then let's talk because I need to to get these things done, but I have no mood. And he is a funny guy. So he came into Discord, we talk and then we like, you know, laugh and stuff. And then he was like, okay, let's just like watch something funny on YouTube. We literally watch something funny on YouTube. It's like we shared screen Discord and then we like watch the funny stuff like one hour or two while me still trying my best to put the clips into motion. And then, but at the end of the day, I literally like finished the video that night. So it really helps. And and once I got that momentum, I can keep on producing videos um, like back to back. So that was like, it triggers me. I finish one video. I feel good about that video. Clients give me a good feedback about a video. So it's actually pump out a lot of dopamine. So you're actually feeling so good and excited about things and you keep on producing more. So that's the thing that, that, that I mean about the momentum. Once you get that, you get a grip of that, a really good momentum based from, like, from your good mood. You're able to like, keep on producing until, ah, until something came up and then it's actually destroy your mood. Then you have to go back to that cycle of that emotions and I'm out of my mind like, because I have no mood anymore. Yeah, it's up and down. Yeah, it's always good. With friends, it's the easiest way. I think if you just laugh with a good friend, that is one of the best ways to get back into a good mood. Even if I'm tired, if I laugh with someone, then I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm like, yeah, I can totally do anything. I can go back to my work. So that helps me a lot. Um, Also looking forward to things in the future and being like, okay, once this project is over, I can do this. I can move on to something else. That is also very exciting. But yeah, it really depends on the person. Everyone has their own... um, thing that motivates them so it's very interesting to hear from you to know what motivates you um yeah and i would love to find out how the listeners also get motivated yeah true Najia, i have one more question for you and that is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world oh that's a big one that's a big question <laughs> um uh, honestly uh, generally i would say i don't really like to ask a lot i don't really expecting a lot I mean, I have goals, I have dreams, but I, I like to make like like moderately thinking about it and, 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 you know, like having dreams and goals without plan is nothing. So if I like if I want to set a big goals or big dreams, I have to dare to create the plan on how to achieve it. I have to, to create the strategy on how to do it because I'm not the one that, you know, like only just like. I'm going to put it on, on, on my cart, on my table, and then just like hoping and manifesting it, it's going to happen. It's more like you got to walk, you got to put some, like you have to grind, you have to find a way on how to make it happen. So if I don't dare to work that hard, to hustle that hard, I don't, I don't have a, like the courage to actually dream that big. So, but once I have the courage to dream anything that big, then I will, it means I am ready, I'm, I'm structured, I am prepared to create the system on how to achieve it. So in this like great big photography world, I would say um, I just want to be well known for my works, not famous, not popular, but just well known by the right people. Because I think um, 
like I said, if you have thousands of connections, but if your connections are all like not the right people, that's no use for you to keep those connections. So same goes to this one. I just want to be known for my works by the right people who hold the same values as mine and also will critique my work. I don't want people who just going to look at my work and, and compliment it. I want people who, who can and willing to critique my works. Because I feel like if you have the cheese, if you have the courage to critique my works, meaning you 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 able to like spend some time, enough time to look into it and you are care enough to talk about it. So if you care about it, then we can have that conversations and, and it will make me happy. That's all. It's a wonderful goal. Working with the right people, connecting with the right people is incredibly important. And if you can do that, then and get noticed, then that's very gratifying. And I like that you don't expect a lot. I think it's nice to just, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, to go with the flow. It's good to have plans, but it's also nice to be like, okay, let's see what happens next. And I'm not going to plan every second of my day. I'll just do what I love and I hope everything works out. So yeah, I really appreciate your answer. I appreciate everything that you shared in this episode. I really, really enjoyed listening to your story. Thank you very much for sharing so much wisdom. I wish you the best with your online course that you're creating right now and with everything else that you have going on. Thank you so much, Taya, for having me. Um, honestly, this is my first podcast ever as a guest. Actually, I'm about to start my own podcast soon in the future. So this is a really good start and also a good kickoff for me. Get to learn on how you guys doing this and how the process and whatnot so again thank you so much great uh big uh photography work for having me and hope to talk to you guys again soon me too thank you so much great big photography world wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners we're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers stories and share your feedback with us if you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly you can become a member on our website in return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'm very impressed by Najiha's work ethic. I think she's doing such an amazing job juggling all of these tasks in her life. She has a very interesting perspective on life. And I love that she's teaching others to be their best selves in editing and beyond. If you want to join the conversation and ask Najiha some questions, just share your opinions on these episodes. Make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. See you next week. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.